Hi there, and welcome to The Works. I'm Ben Pelletier. And I'm Ben Che. In the second part of today's show, we're focusing on two great musicians. First, French actress Clotilde Curot will be talking to us about her stage show, in which she gives us an intimate look into the love life of the great French singer Edith Piaf. And you may remember that just a couple of weeks ago, violinist Cholang Lin was in our studio to tell us about the Intimacy of Creativity program. This week, we have another guest from that series, the award-winning double bass player and composer Edgar Meyer. But in part one, we're looking at some art which you may not have been able to avoid seeing over the past week or so. Every newspaper, every TV station seems to have been bringing us images of giant-sized inflatable artworks, either a cute giant rubber duck or some more disturbing giant sculptures brought here in the Mobile M-Plus Inflation Exhibition. It's called inflation, which of course, uh, the main meaning, it's a pun based on the fact that all the sculptures are inflated. Yes, some of them are very interactive. Uh, of course, the work I'm standing in front of here, uh, Sacrilege or the Stonehenge, but it's called Sacrilege by Jeremy Deller, British artist, of course, is really, truly a jumping castle almost but it is also an exact replica of, of Stonehenge. The Mobile M Plus Inflation Exhibition, which opened on April 25th, is organized by the West Kowloon Cultural District Authority. It's located on the future sites of the Museum M Plus. It's part of an initiative by the management using art to build a connection with the audience, even before the museum opens in 2017. We thought it was time to move on site and really start bringing people and bringing art to the site, even though it's, it's temporary. And then using inflatable sculptures is the best way if you want to do something in a big scale and, and uh, that doesn't cost a big fortune. <laughs> Even before its official opening, the exhibition had already drawn some attention. Some posters on the internet were rather put off by the gross nature of complex pile by British artist Paul McCarthy. I was delighted because it, it turned out that it get, got more than 10,000 likes almost immediately. So there was a lot of great enthusiasm and fun around it. And I do think that, that all these works have really a fun side to them. They are, they are really amusing and so forth. And then of course, what you actually think they are is really in the eye of the beholder. Uh, it's, it's a projection of what's in your mind as well as, as much as of the, in the artist's mind. Go 
哇，佢貼咗隻曱甴喎，仲半隻。開頭睇嗰陣時嚇咗一跳，我就諗咗揾咗隻假曱甴翻嚟咧，咁跟住咧就誒俾、呃、小朋友睇，睇下佢有啲咩反應。咁裏面咧誒、呃、開頭梗係好驚啦，走咗去啦。咁但係後來嘅時候，大女咧就開始唔驚啦，跟住咧就誒、呃、開始去玩，用個曱甴去嚇埋細佬添。咁所以裏面我覺得好好人性嘅一樣嘢就係、是、啊，其實同個社會裏面人究竟邊啲人揸住邊啲工具、啊、去嚇另外一啲人呢？咁呢啲其實就係、是、其實都反映緊成個社會裏面一啲、呃、事情。但係透過個魚缸啊，或者係喺個魚缸裏面再望翻出去嗰陣時咧，成個世界係倒轉咗嘅。咁正正就係、是。誒、呃，當佢倒轉咗嘅時候咧，其實、呃、一個慾望同埋一個恐懼，其實係支持住我哋成個世界。咁你見到呢種矛盾嘅景象出現。Title is emptiness is form, and form is emptiness. From the Buddhist Bible, people love flower, and flower is primitive. Our environment, industrial pollution, chemical, man made this black flower. Children and old people, not related art people, everyone know the flower. So I wanted to make the flower because for the ordinary people. This是紅木的名字,叫做豬肉滿堂 咁呢個豬呢會喺個豬嘅pat 豬的骨絡啊真的很多人都是很好奇的嘛是不是這隻豬也挺漂亮的啊啊嘴好像可能多一點人看啊嘴應該 if you're open for it, it can make you look for real. If you're open for it, it can connect you to other people. 
Getting even more media coverage over the past week has been Rubber Duck, a work by Dutch conceptual artist Florentine Hoffman. Unlike the Amplus exhibition, this is more of a commercial project, being presented in Hong Kong in collaboration with a shopping mall. Before coming here, the Rubber Duck visited other cities, including Osaka, Sydney, and Sao Paulo. It is, of course, a less challenging or disturbing piece than some of those in the Mobile M Plus show. But like them, the Rubber Duck, which will float around Victoria Harbour until June 9th, has been attracting thousands of sightseers. I think art, and this shows it, you know, also has to be shown in public space. You know, there is advertisement, and there's architecture, and there's nature, and there is, you know, art, definitely. Uh, needs a place in that. Well, it's a pontoon weighing around 4,000 kilos of metal, connected on that pontoon as a in big inflatable structure, and it needs 24/7 electric power to blow uh, wind into the uh, inflatable structure. So that's what you're seeing. It's just a tiny layer of fabric with a lot of air inside. We'll be back after the break. See you then. Welcome back. This year is the 50th anniversary of Edith Piaf's death. She died on October the 10th, 1963. Piaf was a great and much-loved performer, but in her personal life, she saw much unhappiness and tragedy. Last weekend, as part of Le French May, Clotilde Courot gave us an insight into her turbulent love life with a reading of exclusive love letters written by Edith Piaf six months after the death of her great love, Marcel Cerdan. Everyone has a vision of Edith Piaf as a singer. Little dress, very dramatic, very sad. But that woman is the opposite. She's full of joy. She has space. She always wants to go on. She wants to share with the audience all the time the love. The only thing that counts in the life of Edith Piaf is the love. The boxer Marcel Sodin is often said to have been the great love of Edith Piaf's life. He was married with three children, but their affair lasted from summer 1948 until autumn 1949. He died in a plane crash on the way to see her in New York. She was devastated, but it wasn't long before she had found a new love, a man named Tony Frank. It was a reawakening. For her show, Edith Pia, Intimate Moments, Clotilde Courot reads from 11 letters that Pia wrote to Frank.
I'm not coming on stage as Edith Piaf. I'm coming as myself and trying through the words of Edith Piaf to be as close as I can to her soul, as close as I can to who she is without playing, without being Edith Piaf. The staging of Piaf's letters is straightforward with her voice reading the text sometimes accompanied by accordion music. The way she's writing a letter, it's almost like she was it's almost a song. One letter could be one song because she has a special rhythm when she's writing and she used to be singing so much. Corot has been acting in films since her appearance in Jacques Doyon's Le Petit Criminel in 1990. That film earned her a nomination for a César Award in the Most Promising Actress category and a Best Actress Award at the Berlin Film Festival. She appeared in the biographical film about Piaf, La Vie en Rose. She's also known for her theatre work. Edith Piaf has been in my life for a very long time. The first play I did, pretty much one of my biggest play in my country, um, it was a musical, and it was writ written by Marguerite Monod, and Marguerite Monod was one of her composers. So Edith Piaf came into my life through that musical I did in Paris. And then I'm playing the mother of Edith Piaf in Olivier Daon, La Vie en Rose. And then I'm finding, and that's really a gift of life. Tony, tu vois, un coup de téléphone et tout va déjà mieux. Bassist and composer Edgar Meyer spans many genres of music. His styles include classical, bluegrass, country and western, and jazz. He's worked as a session musician in Nashville and with an assortment of chamber groups, collaborating with such people as Joshua Bell, Yo-Yo Ma, Zakir Hussain, James Taylor, violinist Mark O'Connor, and Alison Krauss. On his own 2006 album, he showed even greater musical versatility, playing the piano, double bass, guitar, banjo, viola da gamba, mandolin, and dobro. He's been in Hong Kong over the past two weeks to collaborate on the Intimacy of Creativity series of music events. I talked to him before his concert last Sunday. I love classical music uh, as much or more than anything, and the, the quality of the repertoire over 300 years is uh, something of very great value. But the evolution into the super-specialization of the composer and the player has two very separate entities with very little overlap uh, creates a, a creative problem within classical music. You're here in Hong Kong to take part in the Intimacy of Creativity Festival put together by Bright Sheng. Yes. Um, what can you tell me about your role at the festival? What have you been up to? Well, um, I've uh, been enjoying hearing all of the uh, fellows in their pieces and uh, enjoying the process um, and also working on a 
piece that I wrote 16, 17 years ago um, that I'm playing with Katie Hune here and also playing with the string quartet here, a, uh, a piece by Dvorak, uh, String Quintet. Your career has been one that, uh, that really illustrates bringing those two elements together, uh, composing and performing, something that used to be a bit of a, a normal situation for classical musicians, say Franz Liszt, uh, just to pull one example, Beethoven, Bach, they all performed and composed extensively. Um, not so much the case anymore in terms of being commonplace, uh, but you've done it. Well, it's commonplace outside of Western classical music. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, the norm in most other music that I am involved in, if I'm playing with three or four people, is probably that everybody's a creator. You know, one of the things I like to point out this is not even about being able to improvise a fancy solo or about composing a profound piece. The one simple skill that's required, as you would know from the work you do, is simply to be able to walk into a room where people are playing music and to be able to figure out your own part and be able to do something that might make the music a little better. As to me, that's actually the most fundamental skill of all. And, uh, and, and to exist outside of classical music, you have to have that skill. You've mentioned uh, uh, the different styles. In fact, you've in, you're involved. You've got your hands in all different kinds of styles, bluegrass among them, and all kinds of other music. Do you, is, is it important to even define what you do, or how would you ex even define your career? Are you a classical bassist? Are you a, a musician? A, a musician, just a blanket, blanket musician. I think you have to go there. I, I, think, I think so. I think the, the way I see it is just simply that it's incredible opportunity because uh, it creates kind of an ongoing education. So I've just been able to set up situations where I'm, you know, constantly challenged and constantly learning a lot more about music. You find like a style like bluegrass, for instance, uh, which is, you know, a lot of people now uh, insist on a, what they call a pure brand of bluegrass. They you know, look at it like it goes back a thousand years. It was created in 1945, and it is a very clear blend of pre-existing things. And so, all these things, these sacred cows that people hold, are usually, you know, originally fused from from multiple elements. And so, it's more of a natural musical process than you know trying to hold firm. You've played with everyone. Um, uh, virtually everyone, uh, or a lot of folks, and what would be your dream projects that you have not yet done, or something that, something that you'd really like to see happen, say in the bigger picture, longer term, that, um, that might come to pass? I feel like I've been incredibly fortunate with the people I get to work with, and uh, I really came to the conclusion in the last five years that, that I've only kind of just barely touched on the surface of some of that. So. I can give five or six projects that are the main ones I'll be doing over the next uh, five years, and they're all people that I've known now for a while, pretty much. I've started playing a double concerto with Joshua Bell that we just premiered. I just spent a month in India with Zakir Hussain and Bela Fleck, and um, we uh, had joined us on most of the concerts, Rakesh Tarazia, who's a complete wonder. Uh, he is the nephew of Hari Prasad Tarazia, the great flute player. And uh, so we've started a recording. Um, Chris Thiele and I are starting a recording um, also. And these things may take two or three years to get worked out. Uh, and because and, I really, you know, I loved both doing the duos of Chris and then the record that we did with Stuart Duncan and Yo-Yo Ma. These are all people that are, you know, I've, that I've actually, in most cases, known for a long time. And so 
there's not that much pie in the sky. This is pie in the sky for me. Uh, it's extremely, I feel very, very fortunate to work with these people and, and you know, and have the opportunities to do things on my own too. Living the dream then. Living the dream.